0: Welcome to the Grace Chapel Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, we're entering into this new uh, series on Advent. And I move around too much, so I'm just making a little space. All right, um, on Advent. And so what we're going to do, this is going to play out kind of in three main ways. There's three ways you can participate. First of all, you can just come to church on Sunday morning. Now and the following three Sundays, so a total of four Sundays, we will be working through um, this Advent series. Uh, we will light a candle each week, uh, one of the candles that goes along with an Advent wreath, and each one has some special representation. And so each morning, we'll focus on one of those themes. So this morning, I'm kicking things off. We'll talk about hope in a few minutes. And so then, that's the first thing. The second thing is the service I just mentioned that's on Friday the 22nd. It's gonna be an Advent candle service. And so all four of the themes that we've talked about throughout the month will be woven into that service, and then we'll light the fifth and final candle in representation of Christ coming. So that's kind of what we're doing. Now, I mentioned there were three ways you can participate. Um, We're gonna be sending out an early Monday morning email once a week for the next four weeks, and it gives you some additional resources. So if you want to be doing stuff individually, as a family, it will equip you with daily readings, um, some questions that you can consider for some reflection, And for our families, um, there's even a list of kind of some family activities and things you can do together. Now, if you wanna supplement that by going out and getting a wreath and candles, you can do that. Or if you follow an Advent calendar, um, there'll be a little guidance in there where you can incorporate some of those elements. Um, But I would encourage you, give yourself in this season to some reading and reflection on Christ and his coming and who he is. So y'all excited? Y'all ready to jump into that? All right, so Advent you know the meaning is simple it, it it can mean coming and it can it can mean the moment of arrival right and so we're really celebrating both like christ has already come but as we look ahead to christmas right we're in that anticipation of his arrival and the truth is you know this side of jesus first coming his first advent right his life his death his resurrection Um, There's an element where we already have this. We have Jesus. We have the life that's available in him. And so we're reminding ourselves of the truth we've received. But friends, I also want to encourage you, we're still in the not yet because there is another coming. There is another arrival and we look ahead to his return. And so I want to encourage you in this season, let's remember and celebrate what we have in Christ and let's look ahead in anticipation to his coming again. Amen. So there's these different elements. Um, We're going to focus primarily on the candles. You know, there's a wreath component to this, um, but we're going to focus primarily on the candles. And so the first candle that we're talking about today is known as the prophet's candle. It's the candle of hope. And so all the prophets were looking ahead in anticipation of something that hadn't happened yet. The arrival of the Messiah, the arrival of the King. And so we're gonna talk this morning about hope. So let's start by lighting the candles. that sound good? We'll see how this goes. Maybe I'll, hopefully it'll be contained to the candle and nowhere else. All right, there we go. Awesome. Let's pray one more time. Jesus Thank you that you are the hope of the world. Thank you that you are the light of life. Thank you that you have come and shown light into our darkness. Lord, I pray that this morning um, would be a reminder of your truth and the life that we have in you. Lord, I pray that this morning would make clear the hope that we have in you, Lord, for any who have not said yes to you yet. Lord, would the reality of your coming, our need for you, your great love for us, would it be real to us? May we say yes to you. Lord, I also pray for those of us who who know you and who walk with you. Lord, that you would meet us in a fresh way as we, we look in hope to your arrival and your coming again one day. Make this word alive in our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, when you think about the topic of hope, when you think about the topic of Old Testament prophets that predicted Jesus coming, I mean, there's so much territory that we could cover. Um, Thanks be to God, there's so much truth that we hold on to. This this sure word of prophecy that we have seen fulfilled in Jesus' coming, it gives us a sense of hope and assurance in Christ. And so there's a lot there. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to focus primarily on three visits. All right. These are three visitations of hope, if you will, that that came about at Christ's first coming. And so we're going to look at the visit of the angel Gabriel to Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth to them. Then we're gonna look at the visit of the angel Gabriel to Mary. And then thirdly, we're gonna look at Mary's visit to Elizabeth, her relative, all right? So here we go, three visits of hope. First of all, the angel Gabriel visits Zechariah. Our our primary passage today is Luke chapter 1, we will occasionally look at some other verses, but, but primarily we're gonna be in Luke 1. I would encourage you to read the full context, maybe even at some point this week, um, but I'm gonna grab a little bit of this here as we go. So um, we pick up the scene and, and Luke is talking about Zechariah and who he is as a priest and his wife, Elizabeth, and we're gonna pick this up in verses six and seven. And it says, "'They were both righteous before the Lord.'" walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now, this doesn't mean they're literally perfect. It just means these people like trust God and they walk with him. They're faithful people. Verse seven, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Friends, regardless of our condition, whether we are far removed from God or we are near we all have places of unfulfilled hope. We've all gone through those seasons. Maybe you're in one now. We we can all relate to that. In fact, the whole of creation is eagerly anticipating the hopeful redemption of the whole world. Like from the dawn of creation, when Adam and Eve take that first bite and the fall happens and sin enters the world and death enters the world, the whole world, all of creation, all of humanity, we're longing in hope. There's the struggle, there's the burdens of this life, there's practical burdens, right? Like there's the burden of work that we see at the very outset. There's the burden of like physical illnesses, the stresses, difficulties, anxieties of life. There's the struggle of sin and its consequences, and ultimately, there's death. The world needs hope, friends. We need hope. And what I love about this story, and this is what I want to encourage you to do all along the way this month, is um, whether this is some of this is new to you or it's very familiar. I want to encourage you not to sit passively back and kind of do that thing where it's like, I know these people, I know this story, I know these scriptures. I really want to encourage you, kind of enter in. See these as real people walking this out. Because as we look back at this story of of hope, and then we'll get to faith and joy and peace as we walk through these things, as we see these real moments with real people, my hope and prayer is that this finds us fresh and new where we are right now. Like we're real people going through real stuff and that that the hope that Christ offers will be real and fresh to us. Can we do that? So here's Zachariah, here's Elizabeth. These are faithful people, they love God, and they have hope that seems gone, right? It doesn't just say they're barren. It'd be one thing if they were barren and they were young, like maybe there could be some miraculous turnaround. It says they're barren and advanced in years. What happens to your hope When something gets delayed for years to decades, what happens? You can answer. Fizzles out, right? It's gone or it's barely hanging on. So I love about this. Jesus offers hope when all hope seems lost. This moment seems gone for them. And yet, here's Zechariah faithfully going about his service working in the temple, not expecting anything special to happen. And then there's an interruption. There's a visit of hope. Let's pick this up now in verse 13. So Gabriel appears and the angel says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. This is John the Baptist, all right? Verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. I want you to see this. I'm gonna keep reading in just a moment. But notice how personal this is. Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. This is the beauty of our God. Friends, the hope that he offers is available to all. It is a universal truth. That hope is offered to the whole world, to every person. But don't get lost in the vastness of like, Jesus has come to save everybody. It's personal. It's specific. This hope is for us. It's for you. It's for me. There is gladness and joy available to you. I love how personal this is. Gabriel sees him and says, you will have joy and gladness. Verse 15 He talks a little bit about who who John is now, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord, a people prepared. The voice of hope prepares us for the arrival of Christ. The voice of hope prepares us to be changed, to be changed by life, by truth. Even the hope of God will call out our brokenness, not to shame us or reject us or push us away. Look, the hope is for the disobedient. Because Jesus is coming and we can be brought near and redeemed. Now, there's so much just in this quick passage here, but we get the first note of prophecy and hope here. We see it's not just vague random promises, John's coming is the fulfillment of prophecy. There's a reference to Elijah, the prophet. Like he's gonna pick up that mantle of prophecy to prepare the way that the Messiah is coming. Not only that, there's a little quote in there. The hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. That's a reference to the very last verse in the Old Testament. And then hundreds of years of silence follow before Christ comes. And those last words were this promise that father's hearts would be turned to their children and children to their fathers. And it's ultimately a picture of the father in his heart for his children and the opportunity for our hearts to be turned back to him. And so all of this is tied in. See, the, the gospels make it clear that John is a specific fulfillment of these prophecies that point to Jesus, who is the ultimate fulfillment of all of these prophecies. There's several places in the gospels that that highlight this Isaiah prophecy um, that John the Baptist fulfilled. But I, I want to hear it from Jesus' mouth himself. And so in Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist, now an adult. And I'm just going to read verses 9 and 10 and then skip down to verse 13. So this is all Jesus talking. He says, What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Friends, prophecy is given in order to instill hope. The question is, will we hear it? Will we hear it? Will we have ears to hear the message of hope? Jesus loves us and he is for us. And God has promised something and he will fulfill his promises. Friends, when hope visits us, It prepares the way because it does something powerful. I wanna read to you the passage in Isaiah that talks about John's coming because the verses around it tell us what hope produces when we recognize it. So check this out. This is Isaiah chapter 40, verses one through five. Look at the very first words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Friends, that's what hope's meant to do to comfort weary hearts. Guys, we live in a world that needs some comfort, that needs some hope. I feel like one of the the main earmarks of this generation, this moment we're living in, is how much hopelessness there is. Like, we have a generation that kind of for the first time in, I don't know, decades, maybe since the United States was instituted, that don't feel hopeful about the next several decades. Like so many generations that have gone before of us, they face the reality, no generation has been perfect. They've seen the struggles, but there's always been this idea of like hope. We're making progress, we're moving somewhere. And, and we are entering a generation that is, has lost its hope in the future. People are discouraged. Well, that's just our own little cultural moment. But it's, it's a reality that permeates The earth and the lostness of man. The darkness that comes because of sin, deception, and death ultimately, guys, it produces hopelessness, darkness. And Jesus has come to offer real hope. And all these prophecies of old, we're just looking at this one right now, but all these prophecies of old, They are meant to comfort us because when prophecies come true, that should produce something. That should produce something. The God who said it, did it. That's our God. This isn't a false hope. It's not an imaginary hope. It's anchored in long promised truths fulfilled by John the Baptist's arrival, fulfilled by Jesus coming and prophecies that still look ahead to his imminent return. And so hope comes and it comforts. Back to Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. The battle's over. He goes on. That her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Do you hear that? However massive my sins, my failures, my struggles have been, and all the consequences that come with that, my own brokenness, damage and hurt in relationships, how does the Lord repay that? Double blessing, double grace, double mercy. That's hope. God says, comfort people with this truth. Give them this this message. Speak it tenderly to them. Verse three, now this is talking about John the Baptist who prepares the way for this hopeful coming of Jesus. Verse three, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Watch what hope does. It comforts and it gives us a path. It gives us a clear path forward. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Friends, when hope arrives, it comforts and it gives us a clear path to walk. Everything around us might still seem crazy, up and down, out of sorts, low valleys, but the, the truth of the gospel that Jesus offers gives us a sure path to follow through all that darkness and struggle. Why is Psalm 23 so powerful to us? Like, why does it resonate? Like, within the Psalm, there's plenty of darkness, there's valley, there's death, there's enemies. The hope of that psalm is not in the absence of death, darkness, and enemies. It's in the good shepherd's sure hand, giving us a path to navigate through it all. To find pasture along the way. That's the hope and comfort that comes. And so the prophecy produces hope. Hope brings comfort in a clear path. And so ultimately, this prophecy is fulfilled, and Elizabeth, the one who is barren, becomes pregnant. One last glimpse from this passage, and we'll move forward. Verses 24 and 25. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months, she kept herself hidden. This is so interesting to me. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You know, she's waited for this for decades and then she sits quietly on it. I'm like, what's a, what? why did she do that? Like, wouldn't you just be shouting from the rooftops? I'm pregnant. This is amazing. A miracle's happened. And this isn't fear. Like the passage doesn't indicate she was quiet about it because she was afraid it wouldn't happen. That's not what it says. Elizabeth pauses and she goes, the Lord hid me and covered me during all of these years where I was hopeless. And now I'm gonna sit and just hide and treasure this gift that he's given me. I love that. She just sat for five months and soaked in the goodness and tenderness and comfort of God. I love that personal. It's intimate. She received that gift from the Lord. All right. Visit number two. Our passage continues now. We're going to pick up in verse eight. Gabriel, same angel that visited Zachariah is now visiting Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. And the angel said to her, "'Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever.'" And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There is so much rich truth just in the delivery of this message. This is no just moment where a woman gets pregnant. Like this is the pregnancy. This is the birth. This is the child. And look at all the things Gabriel says here. First of all, his name is Jesus. The Lord is your salvation, The Lord is your salvation. Look who this child is. He's called the son of God. And what I love here is is because of what's gonna happen, we'll see it explained in a moment where the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary. Jesus is both the son of God and he's the promised seed of the woman. You know, the very first prophecy is in Genesis right at the fall. As all all the stuff is being played out at the fall, and, and kind of God's going through everything with the serpent and the woman and with Adam. And as he's going through all of that, he says to the serpent, the seed of the woman, you'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. He'll crush your head. This is the seed of the woman being fulfilled because of the miracle of the virgin birth. And so here's Mary, Jesus, Lord of salvation. He's the unique son of God. The seed of the woman, the promise from Genesis three fourteen and 15 is fulfilled. King David is mentioned here. There are all these Old Testament prophecies where the Lord spoke to David. And then in later years, that David's line, his kingship would continue forever. And that there was a, a branch coming from that line that would be the eternal king. That's Jesus. Gabriel mentions that. The house of Jacob is referenced here. That harkens all the way back to the God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that the whole world would be blessed through God's people, Israel. And so we see that promise fulfilled. And ultimately we see reference to the eternal kingdom. I want, I want you to see just a glimpse of this prophecy from again, from Isaiah. Isaiah 9, verses six and seven. This is familiar, you could probably read it or quote it with me. Um, But remember, this was written hundreds of years before Christ came. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice, with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The, the message of hope to Mary, I mean, if you think about this, this is overwhelming. I mean, I'm trying to summarize it as quickly as I can for time's sake. There's a lot of truth in like three sentences that Gabriel spoke. This is overwhelming. And see, sometimes what happens when, when a message of hope comes, it can sound good, too good to be true. This is too good to be true. This, this can't possibly be real. And, and in fact, often what can happen with a message of hope is I can begin to think like this relies on me. Now I'm just being real with you on a very personal way for like six months now, I've been struggling with this through this whole process of us being given this property and a building and everything that's unfolding. And it's crazy how often this this big, huge, incredible gift that is so beyond anything I could imagine, I could ask for, or I could ever make happen, how quickly it can be amazing, good news, that's incredible. And then I start thinking somehow, I gotta do it all. I gotta make it all happen. We gotta do all these things. And how quickly I pick it up and it's like, I try to carry the miracle. It's like, well, first of all, it had nothing to do with me in the first place. And if I start trying to carry it, the only thing I'm gonna do is break it, mess it up, get in the way. Now, maybe it's just me, but I think often, like when there's hopeful good news, we can so quickly shift into like what I have to do, what I have to accomplish. And I think part of what God's communicating here to Mary and to all of us is the good news of the hope that he offers. Guys, it's so beyond us. Don't even try to do it. Look how the passage ended. He says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God's gonna do it. He's gonna work the miracle. He's gonna fulfill his promises. He wants us to know it's coming so we can have some joy and some comfort and some hope, but he's gonna accomplish it. It's his work. We just received the gift. And so look at Mary's response, right? She kind of hears all this. And, and verse 34, the Mary says the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Right? She's immediately thinking about her part in it. How, how is this gonna come about? I'm gonna maintain my purity, so how is this gonna happen? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, now watch this. This is cool. We're gonna get to this part of the story in a second, but behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. You see how the Lord stacks up these hopeful moments? He's like, let me give you this little taste of what I'm doing to encourage you, to help you to hang in there while you're waiting for this ultimate fulfillment over here. He gives us these doses and we find encouragement in what God's doing in others around us. And so he he tells her this truth to encourage her. Hey, this miracle that I'm talking to you about, something similar has already happened to Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Verse 38, I love Mary's response. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Friends, if the first visit taught us that hope brings comfort and a clear path, this second visit teaches us that hope is based upon something bigger than us. It's based upon God and his character, he is the promise keeper as we sang about this morning, his promises are true. It's based upon his miraculous work. He's the miracle worker, the way maker. Like this is who he is. Hope is based in the midst of the seemingly impossible. Hope is based upon God, the one who is faithful to ful- fulfill his promises and the one who work the miracles we cannot work. So what is our part? Our part in hope is Yes. That's our part. We hear the promises of God, the things that he is, and we simply say yes. Okay, God, your plan, what you're doing, I say yes to that. Whatever my part is to play, I just surrender and I'll go along with what you're doing. I say yes to you. You do it. I trust you. Praise God. One more visit. Y'all good? All right, one more visit. Now we could easily stop here, right? Because these are the two miraculous visits. Gabriel shows up to Zachariah and then Elizabeth becomes pregnant. Gabriel shows up to Mary and announces this miracle birth of Jesus. Maybe the obvious thing would be to go to another miraculous visit where Joseph has a dream from the Lord. But I actually think there's a visit we could easily miss. And it's the significance of connecting with one another. Because after these two miraculous angelic visits, Mary runs to visit Elizabeth. Check this out. This is now verses 39 through 45. uh, And I'm gonna skip down to verse 56 and you'll see why at the end. Uh, Luke 1, 39. In those days, right? So the, the angel visits... And Mary's like, all right, it's time to go. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, remember what's happened. Elizabeth has been pregnant for five months. This is the sixth month. And she's told who? She sat on it. Now, she sat on it, because it was just something special between her and the Lord. There was an intimate thing that she was enjoying. But without even realizing it, by her tender heart to the Lord and by sitting on that, the Lord used this because when Mary gets her visit, she doesn't know ahead of time. And so the news is like a miracle of hope to her heart. I gotta go see if this thing is true. And so she comes to visit Elizabeth, and she walks in the door and she greets Elizabeth, and verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and so was baby John the Baptist because we just heard about that a few verses ago. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She knows Mary's pregnant. Think about that. That that, that information has not been communicated yet. But the hope in each of them is sparking this joy and this celebration. And there's a recognition you're pregnant with something too. God is planning on birthing something in me and he's planning on birthing something in you. Let's celebrate this while we're still in the waiting. Let's celebrate this. Like I'm kind of overwhelmed just like, I don't even know how to say what I'm trying to say because I've been thinking about it all week and I still can't say it right. So, you know, hopefully this makes sense. The, the pregnancy is the reality of the miracle that's about to be birthed, right? But I, I just, I also love the fact that pregnancy is like the perfect analogy of hope. Like the seed has been planted and it's coming, but those nine months are laborious, painful, tiring. You wait a while <laughs> In fact, even, even at like the arrival of the thing hoped for, there's struggle and pain and difficult. Like it's, it's such a powerful like picture of how hope works. And guys, it's so easy along the way, whether we're talking about the big picture, like ultimate hope of Christ, or like those personal things that we're caring for, that we're carrying, that we're waiting for that we haven't received, that we haven't seen. Maybe it feels like the journey hasn't even started yet. Like, Lord, the pregnancy of this thing hasn't even happened yet. Or maybe it just seems like the long laborious journey to arrive. Friends, in that journey of hope, it's so easy along the way to lose sight, to get discouraged, to feel like it's never gonna happen. And that's why we need this third visit. Along the way, in the waiting, we've gotta find each other and we gotta speak hope into each other's lives. And it fills us. It encourages they're filled with the spirit. There's joy. Look at this. They're just this celebration. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? They're celebrating each other's victories. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. They're encouraging hope in one another like blessings on you for believing God's promise, blessings on you. And Mary goes on to celebrate. I'm gonna close by reading that together. Mary celebrates too, right? So they both celebrate. And I love this, it'd be easy to miss it. I almost did, I almost stopped at the end of Mary's celebration. But when Mary completes her celebration, verse 56 says, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Friend, what, friends, what the third visit teaches us is that hope flourishes when it's shared. Mary chose to remain with Elizabeth. Let's walk together. Let's walk together through the ups and downs of this journey. Let's walk together and believe in hope. Let's be arm in arm and encourage one another. And it, it's, like, it's, it's like breathing oxygen onto a little flame and it keeps it going, it keeps it lit. Friends, my prayer for us in this season is that we would have fresh hope from the Lord, that we'd have fresh hope. Maybe you're just in in the phase of like, God, I just need you to remind me of some prophecy, remind me of some truth, remind me of what you've spoken, I need some comfort. Maybe you need to be reminded that you don't have to drive the dream forward. Maybe in this season, you just need to be reminded the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The stuff he's planted, I just need to trust that he's gonna work the miracle. Or maybe in this season, you need to be a little more intentional and not find yourself isolated. Because as, as fun as the holidays can be, they can be very isolating. Many of us remember the loss of loved ones. Many of us um, just feel alone and isolated from friends or family, we need one another. We need to visit each other and speak hope and life to each other that we might be encouraged, that hope might be stirred up. Maybe one of those in particular you need, maybe all three in this season, may we be visited by hope. Amen? Okay. I want to kind of close by reading Mary's celebration, and then I'll just go right into prayer. So you can keep your eyes open if you want. You can go ahead and close your eyes if you want, but I'm just going to read Mary's celebration um, at this hope of what the Lord has done in her life, and then I'm going to pray for us. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. God, we thank you for your hope, which springs eternal, that it's from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus, that you are the one. You're the Messiah. You're the king that reigns forever in the line of David. You're the hope that was promised through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to redeem the whole world. You're the son of God. You're the creator who became man. Jesus, you're the lamb who was slain. You're our savior. You're the victor. You're the eternal king. Jesus, we could go on and on declaring who you are and the promises that you have fulfilled But God, we are in awe of you, your strong hand that moves on our behalf. God, thank you for the ultimate eternal hope that we have in you. Lord, thank you for the specific, personal, tangible hope that we have in you. God, the way that you're at work redeeming in our lives. God, we entrust into your care the things we are still hoping for. God, things we've dreamed for, Lord, people we've prayed for. God, you know the list. You know the things. We thank you that you comfort us. We thank you that you give us a clear path to follow. We just take you by the hand. God, we trust in your strength, not our own. And God, may we comfort each other with your hope today, in this season, and always. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for your advent here. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.